0: In our last video, I set out on a mission to hitchhike on a private jet. After getting rejected a bunch of times, I pushed through and met some incredible entrepreneurs. However, I couldn't convince anyone to take me on a flight with them until this happened. We're YouTubers, our dream is to get a tour of a private jet. He was apprehensive at first as he was running late for his flight. I'm a bit late. All right. But our persistence paid off. Oh, uh, is there any way? Is there like Are you sure? That guy said yes.
1: For YouTubers they wanted to get a tour of the airplane.
0: Okay, dude, this is sick. Do you know why he buy it? I mean, why did you buy a jet? He made a ton of money last year and um, decided he needed a big airplane. Do You know what kind so of work he was doing, or out. what kind of stuff he did to make all uh, the money? He was he was trading. How much does a jet like this cost? 34 30, 30, million. As we were getting off the plane, exchanging details, to our complete surprise, James said yes for us to fly with him to Boston on his $34 million private jet. Greatest Friday ever. We're, we're going to Boston. So this is the full interview I recorded with this self-made millionaire who was a formula nuclear engineer in the Navy and made his fortune trading energy commodities. Like how is, is having this like change your lifestyle? It's,
1: it's time to I'll here. Time is energy, and so it's a, it's a great multiplier. Were you always
0: doing trading, like all along, or was it something you got into more
1: recently? No, I, got, I was in the Navy as a nuclear engineer, and I got out and got into finance, and then I wanted to learn about money, and I, and I learned I got my MBA, and so I learned engineering side of things and the finance side of things, yeah. so got into the power market. The, I trade the most volatile markets in the world. They're more volatile than crypto, they're more volatile than any commodity out there. Electricity is the number one most volatile market in the world. And they're the most reliably predictable because they follow the laws of physics, which is a conundrum, right? The most predictable and the most volatile. For someone young that aspires to have a jet like this, like, what what would you recommend to them? Find a niche and crush it. Deliver more value than anybody else. And how did you find yours? Just by trying to solve a problem and help help out as much as possible.
0: Do you recall when you felt like you made it financially, that you felt more comfortable?
1: or like? I've always felt comfortable. I was making good money in the Navy, making $40,000 a year, but I was going to sea half the time, so I couldn't really spend any money, so I'd actually put most of it in the stock market, which was doubling and tripling at the time. So I did really well there and gave myself the opportunity to get out of the Navy without having to depend on you know, re-enlisting and taking all the extra money they throw at you to stay in. So I realized very quickly that was the value of my happiness. You know, they would have offered me a hundred thousand dollar reenlistment bonus to stay in. It wasn't worth my happiness. When I realized that I put a value on my happiness and it had a dollar number, I was like, okay, that's the number. A few years later, it might have been a bigger number. I'd be like, no way. You have to pay me a million dollars to do that again. Now it'd be like, how much would you have to pay me to do that again? You have to pay me a billion dollars to get out of here. I'm gonna take six years of my time, it's worth more than a billion dollars, easily. How much does it cost to run the plane for a year, you were saying? About a million bucks. Um, uh, break-even costs, I mean, that doesn't include usage, really. That doesn't include using it? Yeah. What do, what do you mean? Well, I mean, a million, well, I guess a million bucks does just kind of get you yeah, I guess, I guess I a mean, normal usage would be about a million a year, or light usage. And that's not even flying a lot? Not even flying a lot. I would say that, yeah. flew it a fair amount would be a little bit more than that. So, like,
0: this flight to Boston, like, what what does that cost?
1: Um, it's probably going to be about direct operating costs are going to be... To me, it would be about $17,000. Do
0: you want me to Venmo you like 100 bucks? <laughs> I <Like>, um, <laughs> Venmo you like 20, Cash yeah, App? That's like twenty cool, man, yeah. <laughs> um, Send me
1: some Dogecoin. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Before we get into the best part of the interview, I have got to tell you about the course I've relaunched, monthly1k.com. I created this course a couple years ago to help aspiring entrepreneurs like you get started and make their first $1,000 a month. I'm launching the course at an all-time low price of just 10 bucks. There's no subscription or anything else there. It's just 10 bucks. I really want everyone who's watching this video to be able to one day own a jet just like James. You can go sign up for yourself at monthly1k.com. Back to the interview. I think when people think of someone owning a jet, like I don't think, I think if I saw you at like the store, I'd be like, know oh, who's this guy? You're not like Louis Vuitton and you have like some fancy bag. You're dressed like a normal person, which I, I think we all judge way too much. I know I do. So I like, I like reminding myself and the audience of that like trying to be a little like less judgmental about who we see and what we think they are.
1: Yeah, I like to surprise people. I can do it either way. Try, try to retain who you are. You don't need to impress anybody. Who's a fuck?
0: Like, how do you think about your finances? You said like, you, like some of the stuff, like crypto hasn't done well. Like how, I guess, how have you thought about your money and spending it or like, like doing this kind of trip?
1: I think of the economy and phases and what cycle I think they're in. I think we're entering or have been or entering into a, a winter, and I think wintertime is when the strongest come out and survive. The wolves, the bears, whatever. Not the bears, I guess the, the bears were sleeping, but, you know, I, I feel like wintertime is when there's a lot of rebirth, there's a lot of death. But Every time there's death, there's rebirth. You can't have one without the other. So you look at the Depression in the 1930s or any of the... The worst economic recessions we've ever had. That's typically been when we've had the most um, innovation coming out of that. So it usually is happening as we were going into winter. We were going in and went into winter because it seemed to be probably that the old ideas were just weren't working too good anymore. Yeah. It kind of like kind of burned out whatever energy that had, and we were going to be shifting into something new. You know these different phases that people are trying to figure out you know in our you know macro, macro, macroeconomic trends right but I think that the people who do the best homework and are the most patient and are the most prepared means meaning they have cash on hand ready to sweep in get some good deals are the ones that always succeed the most because they know that when we're going through attractions, there's always going to be fear. And fear always causes um, fearful thinking, which causes us to think in a, in a scarce mindset instead of abundantly. So suddenly everything is worth a lot, a lot less than you thought of before. But like, well, not but. You were mentioning that like
0: you had a crypto thing that went down. Like, how do you not panic? How do you still say, okay, I'm going to make this decision to take the jet out or instead of like Southwest, you know, want to get away fair. I don't get
1: attached to any one thing too much. I could sell this thing tomorrow and fly commercial and be fine. I like, you know, I, I'm i more about where I'm going and what I'm doing. My experience is not, I could you could take this away, it doesn't change my life at all.
0: What are you cheap on?
1: Man, there's sometimes I buy something and they charge you a price that's so extreme and outrageous, you're like, it's insulting. It's like somebody slapped you across the face.
0: What's the story of that?
1: I don't know. I just, like, I used to work at Subway when I was 19 years old. I made $5.75 an hour. And if, you know, that $5.75 an hour could buy me a certain amount, maybe a meal. I could take a girl out on a date, you know. How much, like, how many hours do I have to work to, to buy a chick a $100 meal? You know, a $100 meal is a big meal. I go to a restaurant now. I get a steak. Every single steak is now 60 bucks now. Yeah. It better be a damn good steak for sixty bucks, because in my opinion, people don't make steaks very good anymore. Agreed. Not it's a, like I'm getting a half-ass steak out in town for an insane price. You know, yeah, things. That, that's when I start getting cheap. Like I'll I'll cook it at home. You know? Do you have a staff
0: at home? Because again,
1: food's the most. Food's one of the most important things, right? Agreed. I think. The, the cool thing is, is no matter how rich you are we're all eating the same kinds of things hopefully about if you get rich I think it's imperative that you eat nothing but the best food and it's unbelievable and in fact it's indicative of, of our moral decline that the richest people who you could presume or some could presume are the best thinkers are the least healthy people They're the most stressed out. They eat the worst fucking food. They hang around with people that are questionable. You know, with money comes great responsibility. Or you could just do whatever the hell you want. Which way do you want to go? I'm trying to lead it by example, but showing that I still want to eat the best foods. I still want to be healthy. I still want to hang around healthy people. Young, healthy, vibrant minds that know how to solve real problems that have that can contribute, people that are helpful, you know? Can you pinpoint
0: key inflection moments or key decisions that change the trajectory of your life? Like one I would say is going to the Navy for you. I guess I'm curious, other moments in your life that you felt like you were lucky or you met someone, maybe it's Bob Cooley, it sounds like another one. What other moments in your life come to you that like really change
1: trajectories? Um, doing a U-turn and and uh, after working the night shift, loading trucks on that UPS for, the holidays. Literally, I was like not happy with life. I was like 21 years old, a college dropout, and I was going nowhere quick. But I knew I was very smart. And I knew I was very driven, and I knew I could do anything I wanted to do. I don't know how I knew that. But when I joined the Navy, it was a leap of faith. Just I was I literally did a U-turn. Went and talked to a recruiter, and seven days later I was in boot camp. That was a leap of faith. You know? I think some of the most spontaneous decisions I've made sometimes have been the best because it was such a fuck yes. It's like oh yeah. Why, why otherwise? Why would you get on a plane to come to Boston if it's not a <laughs> if it's know. not a if it's not a <laughs> fuck yes? It was a
0: hell yeah.
1: I don't I don't do like. Yeah, okay, kind of things, you know?
0: Yeah. What are some of the other fuck-yeahs or spontaneous, like, big things? Like, so it sounds like quitting UPS to go join the Navy was a massive leap of faith
1: U-turn. Yeah, that really, you know, doing something extremely difficult was really gave me the confidence that, oh, wow. I could be, like, considered the best of the best, you know? Like, this is a very tough school I went through. It was very difficult. So then another thing was getting a good job out of college. Um, just, I don't know, a series of things. If you just look for gifts, they're, they're there, you know?
0: Yeah, I'm curious yours because it's definitely, I think you have have some uh, magic ones in there.
1: Getting fired from Xcel Energy. Because I, I demanded that I be paid what I was worth. I demanded I actually get paid for doing somebody else's job, which I was doing. I was doing the job of three people. And I wanted to get paid maybe 5% more. So I was fired for that. And that gave me the initiative and the drive to be like, I'm going to show these people how this is done. you Because know? I ended up competing against sexual energy. And I believe I, I did things better than they did even though they're a huge Fortune 100 company, you know. I think when you analyze a lot of the big companies or people that have money or whatever, you pierce the veil of um, invincibility. You're like, they're just, they're just normal people doing normal fucking things. They have the same problems that we got. Like, you realize, why not me? Like, I'm pretty sure I could do exactly what you're doing. 10 times better. You know what I'm saying? Yes. How about I just buy your business and, uh, you know, that's what you should be doing.
0: How does someone have a jet as a business expense? How does that work? You're saying there's taxing. I'd be curious to hear a little bit more yeah, about that. In the United that.
1: States, there's lots of different tax laws for, um, for uh, depending on your tax status, if you are an entrepreneur, you can take advantage of these tax laws that might defer um, capital gains. Or wait. Yeah, you defer basically, like, say, if you bought a plane for a million dollars, you could write off the first year, write off a good chunk of it, almost 50% the first year, Okay, depending on the, on the acceleration schedule you're on or the depreciation schedule you're on. And then if you say, well, okay, well, I'm, I'm getting a loan for, you know, $800,000, I'm putting $200,000 down, I'm saving, you know, I'm not... I'm not paying, you know, forty-something percent taxes on my five hundred thousand dollars that I wrote off. I just got a loan from the government. That's effectively what it is. And so, if you look at, okay, well, I'm I'm tax flow positive the first year. I'm net positive two hundred grand. I think I did that right. Yeah. So, or whatever it is, but I'm net cash positive the first year. It probably rolls into the second year too. It, you wouldn't actually be paying cash outweigh until year two. But if you can say, well, hey, my business booming, I, I, I just doubled my business last year, 100% growth. What can you do with that 400 grand? See what I'm saying? You can, if, you, if you're smart about it, if you're growing and if you're confident and you use the, the, the machine as a vehicle to success, to further success, you can build a business with these planes and it happens all the time. It's not possible to create a nationwide business without being able to travel around and meet people. It's not possible. As much as we think we can be remote doing this Zoom bullshit, it's not happening. It's not going to work. It's the same thing as electric vehicles. It's a it's 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 all pomp and circumstance. It's not going to last long term. Having the, and then are you able to expen? You can expense trips. So like when you're flying to a business trip in Boston. Yeah, but I think the IRS changed expenses. I'm in Puerto Rico. The tax laws are completely different there. So they've changed the expense rules on that quite a bit. So it's, you have to just keep really good ra- records of which trips are work trips, which ones are personal trips, who's on board for what purpose and that kind of thing. That's what the aviation management stuff does on that side of it, so.
0: How much do you think of your net worth and like wealth has been generated from having the
1: kind of jet, from being able to go and see people and do the meetings? I don't know, honestly, because it's, it's like it kind of keeps me sane, you know. It, it allows me to be able to to do it. I don't know. It's hard to say. It's just one of the same, man. You know? It kind of gives you the the fuel, the 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 air in your lungs to like, okay, I want to do something bigger. Think, I mean, I never thought I'd fly a jet before. It's like, and then you, you have all these, you know. You never, and I, I I came from very humble means, so I was like lower middle class. Become family. I did I had two paper routes when I was twelve years old. Delivered 120 newspapers before seven AM, you know. Now my parents would get thrown in jail for that if I was out delivering papers twelve years old <laughs> at six in the morning. So I don't know, I think it just kinda of gives you this incentive to do bigger things and, and uh, these are obviously they look like toys, they perform like toys. I mean you can have a party in this thing, you can also have a meeting on this thing, we can also do a business deal on this thing. We could also sign, sign a climate accord, or we could actually sign a treaty that decides that we're, we're not going to use nuclear weapons ever again. We could do it right here, right now, on this plane. That's the importance of having an airplane. That's what the President of the United States has Air Force One, you know. You have to have it, just a cost of doing business, you know. Yeah, it's inspiring, it makes me think bigger. Like even hearing you talk,
0: hearing about like where where you're going, how you think about things, the problem, it's like- like (laughs) You gotta
1: be, I think as an executive, as an entrepreneur executive, you've got to be iron fisted with your time and be extremely defensive of anybody trying to get any more of your time than you already give, because you already work too hard. So when it comes to your travel or whatever, like I would would be like, no, it makes me, I don't have to waste time at airports and do all that bullshit. It's gonna make, make me way more efficient, time efficient, and I'm gonna be more inspired to travel. Bottom line. So you've worked your ass off. What are some of the
0: perks, besides the jet? Like, I think people are always curious, like, hey, you worked super hard, you've
1: earned it. Perks? So the perks of being able to relax is knowing that you can solve any problem. Knowing that you you always grow to op- overcome any obstacle. And even if it's gonna suck and you can see in advance, sometimes we see problems coming like a slow-moving train, and it, it's not going to be fun. We step in there and start working on it. Um, oh, some, team, I'm is that, uh, no, I was
0: saying, do you have like, I guess people are curious probably if you have houses or like what's it like to have this level of wealth? I think is what people are curious about. And like, what's the advantages or disadvantages of that?
1: Um, I think the advantages is that I have more resources to fix problems in my life which are just as meaningful as everybody else's. Everybody's got the same number of problems. I got, I I promise you, I probably have more problems than you, but um, have the patience to know that I can fix things in due time, take my time, get the resources, fix the problem, um, but I can also take breaks and I can live my life and be happy doing it in chunks here and there, wherever I happen to be, whether I happen to be visiting family or friends, I have friends all over the place, you know, so, my, my ability really to connect socially is probably the biggest benefit of all that.
0: How, how much do you think someone needs to... You
1: know, talk, we know that success in any, any endeavor comes down to your ability to build relationships. You think so?
0: Because I felt like you seem also you done a lot of it yourself. Like you were able to figure out this trading thing. I guess in my impression.
1: Yeah, I was very much a go-getter and and kind of an introvert, and um, like I would be the one that like would just do it myself because I wouldn't trust that somebody else would do it the way it needed to be done. Yeah. I have a very sharp mind for perfecting things and making sure things are right my training and some other things too but um, yeah I just I'm not sure what the question was no it was just
0: more of perks of being wealthy I mean having I, I guess one how much does someone need to own a jet you think,
1: I, think it was diverse, I, I mean if I sat down and looked at it yeah I mean that's cool that you're asking these questions I. It's a good, kind of, what's that cool that you're asking these questions I don't really think about that much but I mean you know, you just, any amount of money you have, you just kind of adapt to it, right? If you ever had a job where you had to, if you ever had a situation in your life where you had to take a cut and pay, you know. You don't know how you're going to do it. A lot of people have. Yeah. You don't know how you're going to do it. But a year later or whatever, you just, you realize, well, I did it. How did I do it? Well, there's these things I had. I didn't think I was going to be able to, well, you just did it. No matter if you start off making 40000 a year or 100000 a year or 200000 whatever it is, you kind of just get accustomed to that you know, standard of living. You can be happy in any one of those stages, perfectly happy, as long as you're making progress on a daily basis. That's what happiness is, is being in a relationship with someone. I think that you're building something meaningful and you have a goal in mind and progress every single day. That's what I've been trying to get to for a very long time and I've and I wasn't good at being balanced enough to get my life in a place where I could let it all come to me. I was quite chasing too much. But that's all fixed. That's all that's all getting fixed. Are you are you working as much these days or are you taking more time for yourself? Uh, I'm starting to I'm starting to work again here now, uh looking at of some business deals um, with a fresh eye and a lot of a lot of energy, but also very careful about budgeting my time. I think if you think of your time in business defensively, it's it's really good for you because you treat everything as a different entity. This business is trying to invade on my relationship. You know that's the way your wife thinks about it, or your girlfriend. I guarantee you. Yeah. Everything's got these own its these own energy, so you got to balance things, right? Balancing it. It's hard sometimes, man. trying to. But the other thing is, you can't please everybody. You gotta please yourself first. If you're not happy, nobody's gonna happy. So number one, take care of yourself, help yourself. Don't fall into a codependent rut where you're helping other people. Really, you need to be helping
0: yourself. How do you keep your kids grounded when you've had money, especially that you came from you know, humble beginnings?
1: Uh, just monitor their language. Like, uh, my first daughter, I heard her one time talk about, uh, this is years ago, she was kind of going through an early teenage phase and getting a little bratty. I heard her say something about, my daddy's got a jet, we're going to take my friends somewhere, like, to New York or something like that. Or something like she was bragging. and And I said, if you want to learn how to be really unpopular in school, just keep saying that. You know, nobody likes... To hear that kind of stuff, uh, I didn't when I was in school. So just don't, don't be that that way. You know, my kids are grounded though; they're they're great kids.
0: I guess what I was wondering for you: Do you ever regret working so much? Like, was it worth it? Like all the work and every all the sacrifice?
1: Yeah, because it it uh, placed a heavy toll on my family life, and whenever I. My, my first marriage fell apart um, what I was left with is that I have three beautiful children and my time my with my family was the most important thing in the world to me way more important than any money I after my my divorce I would have given everything away because I can always make money but you can't give back time with people you know or you can't of certain things, certain things have permanent lasting consequences, you know. So, um, yeah, I do regret working so hard without, I, re- I regret not having the right balance, and that balance really was lacking because I didn't help myself, didn't take care of myself physically. At some points, I, when I get stressed, I put on weight, a lot of stress. My, every day I'm trading. My my net worth is completely at risk. I could lose everything. Completely bankrupt if I do the wrong things. You know, so a lot of stress there. Yeah, I feel you. But it's the same kind of cutting edge thrill you get flying a jet. We're like twenty-something thousand feet above the ground. We're, you know, we want to make sure things are working right, right? Yeah. Same thing if you're flying your own business. You know, the more you have to lose, the more attention you're going to pay. Make sure things don't go awry. You know, that's why I think the bigger the risk you take, the more you get rewarded. And that's how it works. You can't do it safely. you got to punch through your comfort zones. So A lot of people are very comfortable below their glass ceilings, and that's fine but we're starting to realize that our glass ceilings are in different areas of our lives, not just money, not just um, jobs or career, but now we're starting to realize that those glass ceilings we've had our entire lives on our our health, the well-being of our relationships with our friends and our family. I think we're starting to look more on the bigger holistic picture after the last few years. How do you deal with the, when, you said you could risk, you could lose it all in like a trade or two, or one trade. Well, theoretically, if you submitted the wrong information, made, you know, made a decimal point error, or a couple decimal points, that could cause, that could cause a bankruptcy, yeah. Just like any bank, or just like any utility, or anybody has at risk, it, <coughs> at play.
0: How do you deal with that pressure, or how what do you, how do you work on your mindset for that stuff? Because
1: Simulate scenarios, the worst-case scenarios. Yeah. Yeah, always thinking about what could mess up. That's what causes stress. It's the constant <laughs> scanning your... here. <laughs> what did I not check? You know, where are my blind spots? Who did I not talk to? What questions did I not ask? What assumptions brought me here? I just read all the. St- I just read all the stuff, from all the greats put out. Tony Robbins, Ray Dalio, a lot of a lot of good people I've learned from. Keith Cunningham out of Austin. I love Keith Cunningham. Have you met him? No, we've gone. One of our guys went to his workshop. Have you you should him? go to his four-day MBA. It's good. His books are phenomenal. I love his. Books. It's better than my real MBA. I would rather do four days with Keith than eighteen months at a business school. Hands down.
0: I mean, Hands this down. Is a, this is a test You'll learn.
1: You'll learn more in four days with Keith Cunningham than any for any mba course in the world harvard included 100 percent now admittedly i have a chip on my shoulder against ivy league schools and people that have their you know academic credentials because i i learned the hard way i learned by doing it you know the navy teaches you how to do things if you can't do it you don't you don't serve that job you know? so Maybe nuclear propulsion pipeline, they don't grade on a curve, they don't care about your feelings, they don't care that you're really, really trying hard and you really, really tried to get up for that test you had to make. They don't care. If you don't show up, you're fired. If you don't have the grades, you're fired. That is what the United States of America needs more of. It needs more of that cutting edge, raw, risk-taking mentality where there is downside Real downside, not these imagined things that we come up with—threats around the world or pathogens that may or may not kill the entire human race—or whatever the whatever the new thing is going to be—we're always looking so far away from us. We're always last people to come and look right here. Like, do you know your neighbor? Do you know both of your neighbors? When was the last time you had a had a picnic in your neighborhood? Do you know? I mean, really, like coming back into the, into the locale of where you live, to the micro, micro, micro level, your HOA, your student board meetings. I don't know whatever whatever it takes to get connected at at your roots, your home, because it's it shows how ill we are as as a race when we were constantly looking for things that we have zero control over zero. When we don't do anything to fix things, we have 100% control over, which is in here. So we're an extremely unhealthy society. We know what it takes to fix a problem. Nobody's done it yet. Or are we? Are things changing? Are we shifting? What's going on? You think people
0: are limiting themselves too much about what they can do and what they can think and what the, the abilities they have?
1: Yeah, I think they're limiting themselves not f- for a variety of reasons, one of which is, in- is personal or interpersonal relationship or you know, maybe generational trauma or maybe it's, it's PTSD, maybe it's trauma from a rape or incest case. There's a lot of trauma in the world these days. And if you think about somebody who's trying to make it in this world, they start off as a young, young pup trying to get through... You know high school and college or whatever they're trying to do to be able to navigate this world and you know, avoid all the collateral damage from fill in the blank it's, it's slim odds the people there's there's it's a tough world and so when you accumulate stress i'm sorry stress and trauma you need to have a more effective way of eliminating it or balancing it better but never enough Balances never get eliminated, or energy never gets eliminated. It always shifts. So I think the better we can come together and learn where there is polarity and, and one person is different than another, we can um, serve each other's needs, help each other in some way that is unanticipated and helps us fill our blind spots, it's win-win. I think the economy is going to start shifting from a materialistic economy in the United States to more of an interpersonal where people are fulfilling each other's needs, not so much monetarily.
0: it could be emotionally. If you don't mind me asking, what was going on recently? You said stuff just like
1: life going on recently? I just turned 50 and I was having some revelations and going through some, I'm, I'm doing a lot of housekeeping my mind and my soul. I'm trying to get my, 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 my life in an organized state where I feel like it's like, a, like I just clean my desk and I feel really good about wherever, wherever, where I stored everything. It doesn't mean everything is resolved. It means that everything has got a home. You know what I'm saying? That's just what I was trying to do. That's, that's, to me, what stretching allows me to do is clear my mind.
0: I turned 40 this year, and, like, I was pretty sad for months. I was just, like, I turned 40, and I was, like, I'm not married. I don't know what kids, like... I'm, I'm, what's happening? I don't know, it was definitely
1: kind of uh, threw me off tilt. I was I, a little- sustained gaining like 16 pounds in 10 days. And I was planning on doing the opposite <clears throat> for my 50th birthday, you know. I was planning on showing up all ripped, in shape, and I don't know, it just, I've been doing a lot of work and I probably just needed a break I'm a on myself, so. They were way too hard. Way too hard on ourselves. So yeah, learning to have empathy for myself and realizing, okay, everything I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing great, I'm healthy, body's moving great, I have no restrictions right now, everything's on track, I'm gonna go walk the beach here every single day for for a week, get my feet in the ocean, get me grounded. As long as we have a way, I I think us humans don't really understand how we best reboot our health. When I say reboot, I mean, you can reboot your health in 10 days. No matter where you go, if you have the right resources, you have the right food, you have the right people, you have the right conditions. You have the right preparation, which means you're not bringing bottles of Jack and PBR. You know, whatever it is, whoever you're with, you can set it up to be a health trip. You can get you can you get a massage therapist there to share among four or five people, couples, whatever it is. You can get massage therapy, acupuncture, some basic stuff. You know, a chef that cooks organic food, whatever it is. Ten days is a lot of time where you can get off the grid, detach. Detox, electricity, information, people, stress, and see how your body is affected, and literally watch how you you walk differently. You'll literally your brain will literally have more capacity to physically move around. But that's what I've learned from stretching. That's what I learned from because I've been pretty high tech. And, like, comes to what muscles do what in the golf swing exactly and what muscle groups need to come into balance for me actually any golfer biomechanically it's a like BB, uh, i'm basically a robotic golfer i'm building a machine that all it does is generate success basically i want to
0: learn golf stretch and join the navy after hanging out with you those are like my three <laughs> <laughs> i like. I need to get underwater and do... The submarine
1: thing was cool for like 30 minutes.
0: <laughs> After that, it like, what the fuck did I do, man? <laughs> but I would say one thing to come back on, I mean, my word of the year is be kind to Noah because then I can be kind to others. But I, I'm just shocked in general how mean I am to myself on the regular and then how much everyone else is doing that too. And I do have one or two friends that I love being around because they're so nice to themselves. I, um, I didn't eat a piece of chocolate two nights ago and I texted my buddy Tyne, and I said, hey, man... I thought of you because you would probably tell yourself, I'm so proud of myself. He's like, dude, I just did that yesterday. And it just makes me kind of remember that like for you, for me, all the people, I don't know, just like be a little nicer. Like it's okay. Like you gain a little weight, okay. You're going to get back. It's not over. Yeah, I just mean, think in general. First. Order the dessert first. <laughs> what do you mean?
1: <laughs> if you're in a good place and there's some badass dessert on the menu, get that <laughs> shit first. Don't water it down make it last. You always want the best first.
0: What's a day in the life like now for you? Cause it sounds like before your day sounded stress- stressful as hell. Like I,
1: most of my days spent stretching, stretching. Yeah. I have found the path to my physical, my psychological development has been through stretching directly. And it's helped me a lot. It's helped me become more patient, less stressed, way more relaxed, able to breathe better. I'm an inch taller than I was three years ago. I stretch my central hamstrings enough to where I got the cathartic curve out of my lower back, got a straighter spine, better posture, more energy, all these good, all these other benefits. So the, the more I invest in myself physically, the more benefits I get out of myself financially, I would say, because I'm happier, and life seems a lot easier, and the noise just, just falls away.
0: You know. Do you mind showing me?
1: Yeah. Like, uh, this is my balance sheet, stretch. Oh, yeah.
0: Holy shit. Dude, <laughs> Dude get not stretch. How much do you spend a day for stretching? Like you pay someone to help you stretch and you're spending like $2,500 a day?
1: I guess how do you? Th- these, these are very highly experienced people though. They, they, it's like getting surgery without a knife, honestly. It's just it takes a little bit more time, you know. How do you decide what's worth it? Like what's valuable? Like that's worth it for you to spend 2500 a day for something like that. I like, just see the results and how I feel. I feel better. I feel better. Life's an emotional experience. Life's about the quality of your emotions which requires you to have good thinking obviously, support good emotions yeah. They go hand in hand. But I've been learning you know, especially analyzing my stress levels and how my body seems to perform best, how I thrive in social situations the best when I'm not necessarily wanting to give my energy all the time. Um, I like to look at physically how my body is holding up and I can see no better um, place to invest my my money, then right back into my physical health. I was thinking about stretching in like your
0: well, you mentioned really early, early on about like internal conflict, which we all have, and it seems like that helped alleviate the physical the physical tension as well as maybe the mental tension.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you have ever read the book, the, um, the body keeps the score, uh, it talks about different vectors that trauma or stress, any kind of toxic emotions, relationships, a physical injury can take to get into your body and manifest itself as locked-in trauma. You got hit by a car, your bag went off, and you had a concussion. That trauma is locked in your body at that moment in time. So we're starting to learn more about that kind of stuff now, the role that fascia plays and being able to where that trauma is in the body and what kind of downstream effects it could have. You know, I think, I think the next wave of business, the next phase of business uh, in the United States is going to be shifting to more of a post-mortem of what happened during the pandemic, what, what's wrong with the scientific community in the world, what we're going to do to fix it, I have plans to do that, I'm not going to do it, and how are we going to get the data to do that. It takes data, it takes information, and it takes an uh, open and transparent repository to be able to do that so that the government can't get its claws on things. The government should have nothing to do with investigating itself and how it's conducting itself to make our nation a healthier country. I want to go back to the day where we had the presidential um, fitness awards. You know? Yeah, yeah. I know that. We did the running test Arnold, and the climbing yeah. the rope and... If you did all these things and you got a letter from the President of the United States of America, you know that's what we need to go back to. Because our physical health relates to our mental health, one
0: to one. What made you say yes to even letting us see the plane and then yes to, like, you know, going
1: <coughs> on? Why not? There's empty seats.
0: Did really? They, <laughs> game changing. It's so, it's so epic. Just like the, a lot of what we try to encourage others just like not to go stand outside airports, but just to ask, like you never know. Yep. Right, and the fact that you're super cool, I gotta connect with you, and like yep. I think we're gonna be friends for a while. Yeah, I agree. And uh, just like the ability of that.
1: Yeah, I just think that uh, the more that we take care of each other, the more we can help each other, um, that's what's truly gonna create more value in our society. It's something we don't, we don't quantify or we don't measure we, we we consider GDP to be one of the only measures of economic activity, I can say we haven't had any activity in the United States in a long time. Zero. We haven't produced a fucking thing. I, I was born in 1972. I, I was born in a time when, this, when people were a lot more proud to be American and a lot more proud of our actions on this on this planet than we are now. And I just I don't like the way. I, I don't like the way our direction's going. So I want to be part of the solution. How can I be part of the solution? Get healthy. Why? I just turned 50 years old. What's gonna, who am I gonna be when when I turn 60? I can tell you who I'm gonna be when I'm 60. I'm gonna be a lot more fucking rich. I'm gonna be a lot more handsome. I'm gonna be a lot more powerful. I'm gonna be a lot more fucking connected, I'm gonna have a lot more capacity to solve more problems, I'm gonna have a bigger fucking plane, I'm gonna have more resources, I'm gonna employ more people, and I'm gonna fix fucking problems. If rich people who fly these fucking planes actually did something with their money, with that mindset, we wouldn't have any problems. We'd have less problems. The problem is everybody thinks that the goal is to to make it to keep it. That's That's not the priority. The universe, God, whatever you want to call it, doesn't reward people and give people nice things because they deserve it as a reward and just say, hey, send you off in the sunset. It does, obviously, at times. People get lucky. I think more often than not, there's a system to why certain people percolate to a position where they say, why not me? And they get pulled into the tractor beam of entrepreneurship and they start realizing, oh, I can solve problems and this is like, this is fun, this is like, this is like a spiritual endeavor to me. It's like if it's fulfilling, you know. That's when business can become like easy. Yeah. It's life fulfilling instead of detracting. You know, it's not, it's not, a, it's not, a, it's not a job.
0: Uh,
1: uh, yeah, I was thinking about if like. You, if you can create uh, life, if you can create your work to be your lifestyle and, and, and you also want to live a nice lifestyle with great people. That's a pretty powerful combination
0: if you can make that happen. If you like this conversation and you want to watch another interview I did with the billionaire founder of Kinko's, check out this video right up here. And if you haven't already, make sure to like and subscribe. Uncle Noah loves you, and I'll see you out there. Pew, pew.